Just before we get started, I want to say how good was last week's Father's Day service with everything that was happening? Wasn't that awesome? Celebrating husbands and, and fathers. Um, and uh, what a great job Mark did with actually running the Mighty Men competition. Yeah, wasn't that really awesome with what he put together? Um, but I hear there was a, a mighty man, a mighty strong man here at LifeGate that did something like 46 push-ups in 30 seconds. Is that, is that what happened? Who was that? Was that you, Caleb? Was that 46? Sorry, man, I did 47 down at, um, at Liverpool, so I you know, just thought I'd tell you. Don't, don't judge me, I'm just saying. We can, we can have a rematch anytime. So Liverpool's, Liverpool's definitely stronger. Um, today's message is going to be a little bit different to what uh, we're used to. When I was just sitting before God and really praying about what He wanted me to share with you this morning, I, I believe He just He put on my heart that He wanted me to talk about where we're at as a church and how we're going, how we're feeling now that we've gone to two campuses, one here at Padstow and one at Liverpool. I really hope that today's message does uh, speak to somebody. Um, and just before, can I get the actual slides up on the screen, please? And may I have the, um, the clicker as well? And um, yeah, so where we're at as a church and, and how we're feeling about this whole situation. And uh, so I've titled today's message, if I can get it to work. Can I get you to flick it over for us? Thank you. Um, I've titled today's message, Work, uh, work of Faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope. And where we're at, in, where we're at as a church and how we're going with this, um, given the, uh, where are we basically being at two campuses, and three points I want to make around um, that statement. And the first one is um, where we're at with, uh, with doing this. Secondly would be um, what sustains us. Can you follow along at the back here because this isn't working? And thirdly, what does it look like practically? So where we're at, what is it that sustains us to continue to do the, the mission that God has called us to? And also, what does it look like practically for us to live out um, uh, that which sustains us? And so we're going to be reading from a passage of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 through to 6. And you can follow on the screen if you'd like with me. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake, and you become imitators of us and of the Lord, for you receive the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Father God, I thank you for this morning, Lord, and all that's been happening. God, I thank you that, um, yeah, we can be here to, to worship you and to, and to put your name on high. Jesus, you've been the focus, um, uh, and we want to continue to uh, allow you to be the focus in our lives. Lord, thank you for what you've allowed me to prepare and what you've put on my heart to share. I pray that uh, this speaks to us, challenges us, and encourages us to keep moving forward in all that you've called us to do. In your name we pray. Amen. So my first point is, uh, where are we at? Within sort of family unit, um, you have a husband and wife and you've got children. Generally, the husband and wife are there to lead 
uh, their children and both husband and wife work together in order to lead the family. But I believe that God uh, calls the husband, the father particularly, um, as the head of the household and to lovingly lead his wife and his kids. And he's not to lead them in an overbearing way. He's not to lead them in a chauvinistic kind of pushing kind of way. And when I was looking at this idea of headship, I'd, I'd seen in a, in a few comments uh, on the internet that a, a bad way of leading your wife is where you'd say to your wife, well, I, you know, I work all day, you stay home all day, so when I'm at home, you know, I can leave it trashed and then you've got to clean it up. That would be a, a bad way of being a, a leading husband. And then so the wife's response to that would be, well, you're at work all day making the money, I'm at home, so therefore I get to spend it. And that would be a, um, I imagine that going a little better in my head when I said that joke, but anyway. Uh, so that would be a bad way of, of leading. But, but a father is called, and we see here in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25, that um, a husband is to, lead, uh, is to lead selflessly and in love. These are paraphrases of these passages, by the way. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 33 says that uh, a father and a husband is to lead as he would want to be led. And thirdly, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 4, says to, his, uh, to children, not to provoke your children to anger. So men are called to lovingly lead their, their wives, and they're lovingly to lead their, um, their children. But when the head of the household is not around as much or tends to be away on work, it can get a little kind of straining yeah, on the family unit. It can a little bit straining on the wife and the kids. And so there's a... Um, uh, a school that I work in as a, as a chaplain and 25% of the actual families there come from a defense, uh, come from the defense. And so when I've had the opportunity to speak to the kids and ask them, how does that go when dad's away every now and again, when he's deployed to be on places? And they say, oh, you know, it's kind of hard. I miss dad and I want him around. And when I also talk to the mums, I'll talk to the wives about the, the husband being away and how, that, and how that goes. And they also say it's quite challenging. Um, it can be hard because they're trying to work on the kids and lead the kids on their own and care for them, love for them, cook, clean, look after the household. And mum's got to kind of step up into both roles. You know, mum's got to be, become the actual mum and she's also got to be the, the father at the same time and she's stepping into a, a leadership role that maybe she's not used to, maybe not knowing exactly how that, that fits when, when, when hubby's away. And so it can be a little bit challenging. It can be a little bit tiring as well. Is, any, is there any, uh, you know, wives here that feel that sometimes when hubby goes away, they're a little bit challenged in... Um, in how they, they feel when, when hubby's gone. Does anybody, yeah, a couple of you. Well, the rest of you must be, it must be party time when dad's gone, yeah? When, when the father's away, he's like, woohoo! You know, I get, to, I get to hang out with the girls and we get to do some cool things. Now, I feel as a church, we can kind of be in this situation of where these defense families are. Not that, not that our leader, Nathan, is gone for extended periods of time, but that he hasn't been around as much we haven't seen him as much on the platform. And just like a family at home where the husband is to lead uh, his household, um, the leader of the church, particularly talking about Nathan, our pastor, we haven't been seeing him around as much. And he hasn't been on the platform or been around as, at church. Um, and that can, just like a, a husband being away from the family, can be challenging on the home. When our leader's not here, it can also be challenging on the church family. And so there's a perfectly good reason for this. There's a reason why Nathan isn't around. It's not because he doesn't want to be anymore. He's gotten lazy. But it's because God has called us to be on mission uh, to, get, to go and plant a church somewhere else. And that is at Liverpool. 
And what that does is when God calls us to do something like that, our resources are stretched. Our, the leadership team is stretched. And particularly Nathan needs to now, he's called to equip the saints to do the ministry of the church. So he's bouncing back and forth between Liverpool and here, coming here for a couple of weeks and over there for a couple of weeks. And, and see, God calls particular leaders to be the head of churches and to lead them into all that he has for them, to train and to equip to equip them and to, and to uplift them and to encourage them for the ministry of the church. Now, maybe for some of you, you might be thinking, well, this doesn't really relate to me because I don't really serve at church the way. I'm not, a, I'm not a leader as such in church. Well, I want to just challenge that, that thought because effectively ministry is taking your gifts and resources and meeting the needs of people in Christ's name and using them to love people. Let me say that again. Ministry is taking your gifts and resources and meeting the needs of people in Christ's name and using them to love people. See, effectively, we're actually all in ministry. God doesn't save us to leave us where we're at. He doesn't bless us to leave us where we're at. God saves us and blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. And a great example of this is with Abraham. When God came to Abraham and he, and he said some promises to him, particularly around, I'm going to promise to bless you, to be a nation of many people. But he also says, I want you to go. I want you to get out. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. And that's where we're at at the moment as a church. God has done some amazing things at LifeGate Church here at Padstow. He has absolutely blessed us in imaginable ways. And when we've been in leadership team meetings, we see that we're actually part of the top 15% of churches in Australia. And that is absolutely incredible and something to be excited about. But God doesn't leave us here in this place. He says, go, I'm sending you. I've blessed you and I want you to be a blessing to others. And he's called us to a community out there in Liverpool to serve and to bring the message of the gospel to them. And so that's really something to be excited about. But what that means is that we can be stretched as a church because our, our, our church leader um, uh, isn't here as much and he's kind of bouncing between both churches. And what can happen is this can be hard because the pastor sets the direction and the vision of the church. And if we're not hearing the vision up on the platform or, or amongst us, then sometimes we might lose a little bit of that vision. We might lose a little bit of that direction in our lives. And it can be hard also because pastors are here, as Ephesians says, for the building up and equipping of the church. And you might not be as encouraged or you might not feel as built up as you have been before. Maybe not loved or cared for or if you're struggling or in some place of crisis, maybe you don't know who to go for support because our, our senior leader isn't here. Also, if you're a leader here and, and you're serving and you're really pouring out, you know, pastors are really good at encouraging those and they see great things in those that are leading and they come and get alongside you and they encourage you to so you do great things. I like you, Michelle. You've done fantastic up here today on stage. You really had an amazing presence that really just shined and connected and I really felt drawn to what you were doing up here. So really, well done. Well done with what you were doing up here. And I think Nathan does such a good job at doing that in people's lives. And when he's not here, that can, you know, we can wrestle with that. But also God might challenge, us, might challenge some of us leaders with our motives and our hearts of why we lead. You know, you know, we might be serving and then, oh, the pastor's not here, so you know, he doesn't see me. And what's the whole point of doing this? So maybe sometimes God can challenge us with our motives and the reasons why we're actually in leadership. And finally, when we stretch the cross new churches, it means more people, it means more responsibility, it means more resources, it means that people are stepping up into ministry positions that they probably haven't done before, that they're not too sure how they're going, they're not too sure or feeling like as if they're equipped to do the work that they're being called to. So they, they might feel they're not doing it right or they're not doing a great enough job. And so what I want to say this morning, church, is that because we've gone across two campuses, if, it's, if you're possibly, if anyone's here feeling that way, I want to say that that's perfectly normal. 
I want to say that what we're experiencing with what God's doing and blessing in our lives, that it's, it's perfectly fine, that it's normal, these are the normal challenges that we face and the normal growing pains that we experience. But it's great to be a part of what God is doing. Amen? So now, why do I think, why do I think that we could be possibly feeling this way? Well, this is what leaders do. Leaders that God calls are called to inspire and encourage people. And I want to give you five attributes of an inspiring leader coming from one of the most influential men on the face of the earth at the moment, on the earth at the moment, that comes from leadership. And if if you've spoken to Nathan or spoken to people like Sam, um, uh, Sam Riley, they talk about a guy named John C. Maxwell. Has anybody heard about John C. Maxwell? A couple of people, if you're in leadership, you've got to get his books. Even if you're not in leadership, if you want to lead people in general, he's absolutely amazing. And so these are the five things that he says about inspirational leaders. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is is because when our our leadership team, or particularly Nathan, is not around, these things aren't happening as much. And so the first thing about an inspirational leader is an attitude of service. The first thing, if you want to inspire people, you need to take an attitude of serving the people that you lead. And I know that there's been times where um, Nathan has shared stories that uh, the men's toilet hasn't uh, looked too well. And uh, there's been a few accidents in there or something like that, but instead of calling up and getting somebody else to do that, you know, he puts his big boy pants on and gets his gloves on and the mask, gets in and get the job. And when we're kind of setting up at Liverpool, he's painting and cleaning floors and he has just such a great attitude of service. And I believe that really encourages us to press in and do all that we can do as well. Leaders that inspire also give affirmation. Leaders need to have a positive outlook towards others. Leaders are there to build and encourage, not to put down and discourage. Leaders have always got an attitude of putting a 10 on everyone's head no matter what they do. They're always trying to get the best out of people. They're always trying to, to equip them and build them up. They've got, they've got an affirmation for people when they step into all that God has for them. The third thing of an inspirational leader is attentiveness. You see, it's not just about how much you know or how good you preach. It's about understanding and meeting the specific needs that every person uh, needs that they're actually going through. And great leaders see that and meet with them and help to deal with some of that stuff that's going on in people's lives. They're attentive to the needs that they have. The fourth one, which I believe is most important when it comes to leadership, leadership, and that's availability. Leaders inspire people by investing time in the people that they lead. We live in such a time where our, our time is becoming more and more scarce. How often do you hear when you talk to somebody and you ask them, how are you doing? One of the first things that people say is, oh, I'm really busy. I've got so much going on. You know, I'm being being pulled left, I'm being pulled right, and we're just always busy, and all the kids and family and lots is going on. And there's nothing that says you are more valued than when leaders spend time with people. And when I was actually writing this, I believe God highlighted in my heart really, really strong that if, if time's something that's more scarce than anything else, and how important it is for me as a husband is spending time with my wife. And so I want to say this to one of the husbands, the most valuable thing that you can give to your wife is your time. And same thing, wives, to your husband and parents, to your kids. And this is absolutely biblical because if we are created in God's image and we're created to have a relationship with Him, no matter how much God blesses you with finances, with possessions, with good things and health and whatever that may be, if you haven't got God's presence, you've got nothing. And so there's nothing more than resting um, alongside God and with God. And so leaders that inspire are available. And I know that probably some of you, maybe Nathan doesn't bring all the availability because he's trying to equip leaders. But I definitely know that as a leader, he definitely comes alongside me and inspires me. The last one that is uh, 
that leaders need to be inspirational is authenticity. Leaders have to be genuine. They're not only to say one thing and do another. You can't believe in something over here and respond completely different. Um, you need to be authentic in what it is that you're doing. And just like when Nathan gets up here and preaches, he talks about his relationship with his wife and how things are going at home and some of the struggles that he has. And that can be inspirational because you know, you know that you're not alone. You know that you're um, uh, not alone in this journey with God. And sometimes things can get tough. And just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that everything's prime and proper and everything's fantastic. And when leaders actually demonstrate their authenticity, it inspires us to all grow together. Now, remember, I'm not trying to, well, Nathan's not here, but I'm not trying to get brownie points off him, even though I hope when he comes in the second service, I do get a little bit of brownie points. Um, but I'm basically saying this because when we're, our resources are spread across a couple of churches, maybe you might be feeling that way. Maybe you haven't been built up as much. Maybe you haven't been encouraged as much. And as I said before, that's perfectly normal. I want to bring a biblical sense also of why we might be feeling this way and how this kind of fits in. Um, and when we look at Acts 14.21, Paul begins to head back to Antioch of Syria, retracting the steps of his first missionary outreach to the churches of southern Galatia, Debris, Lystia, Iconium, and Antioch of Poseidon. While visiting each of these churches, uh, which Paul had recently founded, this is what it says in Acts 14.22. So, so Paul's gone around and he's planted some churches and then he's left those churches and he's gone off to continue to do other stuff and now he's come back to the churches and it says here in Acts 14.22, strengthen the souls of disciples and encourage them to continue in the faith. So if we're seeing that Paul planted these churches, has gone up and he's come back to strengthen them and encourage them. It's possible to see that when the leader of um, a church has taken off and left it where it's at, that when they're not around, you can slightly feel not as encouraged or not as strengthened. And this to me is demonstrating that when the leader is around, that he's there to strengthen and equip the disciples and to encourage them and to bless them and to lift them up. Now, why am I saying all this as well? Church, Seeing where we're at, and if it's possible that you're feeling this way, I want to extend a huge thank you. I want to say thank you for all that you're doing. I want to say thank you for the way that you're serving. I want to, th I want to thank you for, as it says in Thessalonians, for you know, the, your work of faith and your labor of love and your steadfastness in the hope. And I want to extend Paul's thank you to the Thessalonians, that even that they were in affliction during their time, that they were burdened with um, what was happening in that church and what God was doing, but, they, but Paul extends a huge thank you to them. And I want that thank you to be here this morning for us at LifeGate Church. So this is what I believe God is saying, is that we can give thanks to God for LifeGate Church, constantly remembering you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so church, I believe that that is you. I believe you guys are just doing an amazing job. Even though you might be feeling stretched, even though you might be not as encouraged as you could be, but these are awesome challenges that we faced. And I want you to be lifted up because you're doing awesome work on the, with, with what God has called you to do. Now in saying all this, what is it that sustains us to continue in the work of faith uh, laboring in love and steadfastness in hope. What I don't want to do is that build Nathan so much up that we completely rely upon our senior leadership to be continuing to, to be that point of call or encouragement. Lord, he always has to be around for us to be doing what we're doing. So what is it that's going to sustain us to keep doing this stuff? Um, and even though we might be stretched and challenged in this exciting time, let's look at how the Thessalonians 
continue to sustain the mission of God that he had called them to. And I believe the key is in the end of verse 3 and the end of verse 6. It says at the end of verse 3, after your work of faith and your labor of love and steadfastness of hope, it is in our Lord Jesus Christ. And then as he works through that, it says at the end of verse 6, it says, And you became imitators of us, and of the Lord you received the word in much affliction. So even though they were loving people and doing great work, they were feeling the affliction of what was happening around them. But at this amazing then statement after this, which is really kind of bounces, like it's a lot of contrast going on here, it says, With the joy of the Holy Spirit. They were doing all that they were doing in the Lord Jesus Christ, but there was much affliction in what they were doing. But then they had joy. In the Holy Spirit. And see, the Holy Spirit is all about making the name of Jesus put on high, proclaimed and glorified. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts the person to believe what Jesus did. No one can say that Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit that transforms people into the likeness of Christ. It is the Spirit who will continue to do the work of salvation in us and see it to the completion. It's the Holy Spirit that has produced the scriptures that we have for us that's pointing all towards Jesus. It is the Spirit who gives us the spiritual gifts and empowers us to use them for the building up of the church of Jesus Christ. And what happens is, when we do everything in the name of Jesus, we actually align our spirit up with the Spirit of God, our will up with the Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit loves that because He loves the Son. And He wants to make Jesus known. And so when we do everything that we do out of a place in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit goes off, his joy starts to set up a blaze in us and then we continue to do the work that God has equipped us to do. That's why at LifeGate Church, our vision is to see people live in the freedom and purpose that who offers? Can I, can I get a little bit louder? Amen. Amen. It's in Jesus' name. To see people live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If it was just to see people live in freedom and purpose, it could be with anything. Freedom of purpose that money provides, no. Freedom of purpose that possessions provide, no. Freedom of purpose that relationships provide, no. It's not about that. It's in Jesus. He's the one that provides. And the Holy Spirit brings great joy when we're to proclaim the name of Jesus and do it all for His glory. He's the sustainer. And my last point, what does this look like practically? So, uh, with your work of faith and the labor in love and in steadfastness and hope. What does it look like practically to be relying upon Jesus, receiving the, 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 the joy of the Holy Spirit, and to continue your work of faith and labor of love in steadfastness of hope? And just for the sake of time, um, which I probably could have still actually had gone through all the points that the Apostle Paul says, but I've, look, I've, I've chosen just one of these statements that Paul has used um, out of the three of work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope, pointing us towards Jesus, I've chosen labor of love. How do we continue to labor in love, and what does that look like practically for us? When I was reading a commentary in the Tyndall Commentary series, it says this about labor of love. When Paul speaks of this labor of love, Paul is not thinking of some deed of kindness done without hope or, or of reward. As we usually do when we use this expression, the word gopos, which is the Greek word for labor, points towards laborous toil and directs our minds to unceasing hardship born for love's sake. It's really interesting, is it, that the Thessalonians labored in love 
But in a way, that was for love's sake. And it's interesting because it talks about hardship as well. And so I wanted to look in a little bit more of this word. What does this word gopos really mean in the Greek language? And the Greek language is absolutely amazing because one word can have so many different meanings and, and the power of it um, is not expressed in English. But when I looked up the word gopos, which is the word for labor in Greek, it is to seriously weaken or debilitates, deep fatigue and extreme weariness. Let me say that again. That word gopos is seriously weakens or debilitates deep fatigue or extreme weariness. The laboring of love that the Thessalonians had was to that point. They were at a place where they were giving and loving and serving one another and serving the community to a point, to a point where it was um, you know, uh, of extreme fatigue and of weariness. But the Thessalonians, with inside their affliction, still had this great joy. And I believe it's not because they wanted to receive anything back from the person they were loving on, but just because, as the commentary puts it, for love's sake. How do they do this for love's sake? Laborous love is not done towards people that are worthy and desire to possess or to get anything back. Otherwise, it'll be selfish gain. So if it's just loving people with inside the church so that you can get something back or because you think they're worthy, that's not what's happening here. That's not what laborous love is. But the word agape, which I hope you guys have heard of before, but I'll explain it as well. It's a Christian word of love that extends beyond the understanding of the love that we know today. The word agape in the Christian word we have adopted that represents the love of the Almighty God as expressed in Romans chapter 5, verses 8, which says, But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The, the, the word agape is a Greek word for love, and, and, and that kind of love is an unceasing love. It's a, it's a selfless love. It's a love that, that loves without want, or, or it's a love that, wants, that loves without gain. So we, us as the church, when we put on this type of attitude with loving people, we continue to love laboriously because God loved us even though we didn't deserve it. And I believe the Hillsong team has got it right with one of their songs that they sing and they have this amazing statement that every time I hear it when I'm worshiping God, it absolutely brings me to tears because it really demonstrates the agape love that God has for us. And this is the, the, the song and, and just the lines that they say. It says, When justice called for all my debt, the friend of sinners came instead. Isn't that an amazing line? When justice called for all my debt, is saying that if God was to ask us to pay the debt of all the wrong that we've done, if God was to say, here's the sin, here's the wrongdoing, how are you going to pay me back for that? I want justice for the wrong that, is, that you've done to me, to you've done, that you've done to others. How are you going to pay that back? And God knows there's no way that we can. But instead of asking us to pay for it, the line here says, the friend of sinners came instead. And friends, that friend is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the love that loves that are un this is the love that loves those that are unworthy that God gave his life for those that did not love him. This is a love that is seen on the cross, a love which is always giving, a love which holds nothing back. It is out of that love we've received from God seen through the cross of Jesus Christ that we can love people with an agape love, with an unceasing love, without holding back. You will pour out your life when you become a Christian to love others, not so that you may be filled by their responses, but because you are already filled by the love of God and not controlled by human affirmation, 
but by God's affirmation for you. So what does it look like practically? It's always pointing back towards Jesus. God loved us first, even though we were unworthy. God loved us first, even though we didn't love him. And God gave his life for us to pay the penalty for our sins that we'd committed. And he died on the cross for us. And so we're always to continue to come back to Christ. We're to do it in the Lord Jesus Christ. So church, the first thing that I wanted to do today was thank you guys for all that you're doing. Your love of um, your, rather your work of faith your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope. And we're sustained to do that by looking towards Jesus, and he gives us the joy of the Holy Spirit. And what it looks like practically is to be filled up by God's love because God is love, and they continue to allow it to pour out into others. And so I guess the question is, how are you going here today, this morning? How is uh, your work of faith been going? How are you feeling? Are you feeling the kind of ways that I mentioned earlier? I hope after this you're feeling a little encouraged and um, you can be filled by God's love and continue to do the work that God has called us to do. I'm going to pray. Father God, I just thank you for all that you've called to us as a church. God, I thank you so much that you haven't left us where we're at, Lord, that you are sending us out, that we're on mission with you and that you're, you've blessed us with two campuses, Lord. And I pray that as we continue to ride this wave of blessing and love that you have for our lives, God, that we can, we can um, as Isaiah did, raise our hands up and say, yes, I will go. I will continue to, to be your vessel, Lord. I will continue to serve. I'm going to be on mission with you. And even in affliction or hardship or wherever we're at, Lord God, that we can receive joy, that we can rest in Jesus Christ, that we continue to, to, to receive all that we need in Jesus Fill our hearts by your love, Lord God, and help us to to be strengthened by your Holy Spirit with joy. In your name we pray. Amen.